Yeah, this is the time that we all been waiting on. The moment all the naysayers been hating on. See, they've been talking down on us and flexing. It'll take more than that for you to stop a Houston Texan. A lot of teams talking tough and can't back it up. But not the boys on Kirby, so you can pack it up. Reliant Stadium is where you can find us with the whole city of Houston, Texas standing behind us. See, we've been waiting on this one for 10 years. Sacrificing our bodies with blood, sweat, and tears. But now we're focused and we're showing no fear. When we blast through the tunnel, you hear the crowd cheer. Deep steel, blue, rowdy red on the Liberty White. We came dressed up and ready to fight. We are the mighty Houston, Texas, and we don't play. So now I guess it's only one thing to say, baby. All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Young Ari Gold, and I am here with my friend and co-host, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. And John... I'm thinking that the bi-weekly podcast for now is working. I know it's probably not the most ideal situation for the listeners, um, but God, there just isn't a lot to talk about right now. I, there really isn't, and I mean, you just deleted my entire rant, so hey, listeners, as you always know, whenever we lose a podcast, it's the greatest one ever, and I think my last one was pretty good. So I don't know if yeah. I can recreate that magic. All four minutes. I don't know. It's going to be tough. I don't know, man. There was there was a solid good two minutes in there. No, yeah, you were going for about two minutes. You were shitting on the media, <laughs> talking about how bad Cody Stutes is. No, no, uh, no, no, no. I, I like Cody. I no, like I like Cody. Cody, too. It's Cody and Pat. That's really all there is right now. Uh, and then John Harris. But you're always going to get the um, filtered. <laughs> version of uh, John Harris when it comes to uh, his interpretation of what is going on at OTAs. Yeah, I mean, he's employed by the team, so he has to he has to kind of spin it the positive way, but for the most part, yeah, my entire rant's just about we need more quality people in Houston. We need more eyes on the team. It would make our jobs easier. For us, there's just limited amount of resources right now, so we're kind of at a loss to talk every week like we have in the past because we don't want to get burned by some of the predictions that we made in the past based on bad sources. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And not only that, I I think with how long the offseason is, we I mean, we could talk about a ton of things, and we're going to start tonight with our position group reviews uh, entering training camp. But um, you just we, – we could create content, but – is it always going to be the best content? And I think that we'd rather put out great content and in comparison to good content, which I said average the last four minutes, but you're right. We're never average. So at least we'll put out great content. And then as things ramp up and things like that, we'll, we'll start to do more. Uh, I would say probably August. So, uh, John, couple, couple announcements, actually just one. Uh, we're going to, we're going to be all set up with uh, doing Twitch streams as of Saturday. We're going to have a new webcam, a whole new setup for streaming, and we'll be able to do things like film analysis, film breakdowns. Um, we can do interactions with, with our listeners on a regular basis through Twitch. It's going to be kind of exciting. That could be fun. Yeah. Granted, I'm excited to look and see how fat I look on Twitch. Yeah, it's gonna be cool. I, I even bought the little. I even bought the gamer. Uh, got the gamer um, m- mouse that lights up and stuff that like will look really cool. So we'll be full on twitching. You gonna challenge maybe, people? You gonna challenge people to Madden? Um, you know that's where I was just about to go. Maybe we could start a little Madden thing. I don't know. I haven't played Madden. I haven't played Madden all this year, so I haven't played the new one, but. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but still, anyways, announcement. Uh, also, real quick, guys, make sure you guys go to our Patreon page, uh, patreon.com backslash Texans Unfiltered. If you guys want to support the podcast, we use that for upgrading things like computers and webcams and things like that. So uh, we appreciate all of our patrons. We are excited to grow and excited to do Twitch. I think that'll be really fun. Uh, but, John, let's hop into... Well, I was just going to add one more thing about the Patreon. It allows us to say no to stupid sponsors. 
It does. It does. But it's getting to a point to the I'm turning down sponsors on a weekly basis now. And just FYI. And they're they're coming heavy. I mean, just I'm not going to name any names, but the other podcasts that are out there. Do you really want to listen to us talk about a sponsor to this point of the podcast? I swear there was one that was on, and I skipped half the podcast because all it was was ads for the first 10, or actually probably between 5 and 8 minutes, and it was a 20-minute podcast. Like, Yeah, the good thing is, is that for us, we do about an hour, and then during the season we do more. And if we snuck in a little 30-second ad about something that we think is cool, eh. Whatever. We're going to be very selective if we ever go down the path of ads. It's going to be something that we think is rele- relative to our listeners, something that we think would be beneficial to them. But outside of that, we're not doing my pillow. We're not doing uh, Flex Seal. <laughs> we're not doing Harry's, a Dollar Shave Club, uh, whatever the underwear thing is that is hot right now. Uh, we'll do something that is relevant to our listeners and what they like. But Unless they give us a whole bunch of money, then sorry, y'all. They give us a whole bunch of money. At that point, we have to reconsider where we are. But I will absolutely be a sellout if it means I could work part-time. So I would. I could do this for part-time, I would be a sellout. Yep, no, I hate I, to say it. I, I mean, it is what it is. Like, like we've said multiple times when we started this almost three years ago now, like, I don't think we got into this thinking that there was going to be a ton of money to be made, but, you know, it's interesting when you see it in your inbox on a regular basis, people trying to schedule calls with you to, to have, you know, partnerships on podcast channels and all these things. And I'm trying to hold off for that Spotify bag. If we can get the Spotify bag. Um, I'll, I'll be, I'll be the sellout. Absolutely. for exclusive to Spotify, but, that's not going to happen because we are in a very niche market and that does not appeal to Spotify. So, uh, all right, John. Position group reviews. We are getting into our first installment of the of the running backs or our position groups, and it's going to be running backs. Um, yeah, I was pretty min- I was pretty adamant about starting with running backs because I think that they are our weakest. I think they're our weakest overall position group. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think, I think, mm, yeah, they are. They're our weakest group. There's really no, there's nothing else. If Lamar Miller misses a couple of games, we're just straight up screwed. I don't know if we're screwed, but. Yeah, we are. I mean. (laughs) I hope not. I mean, but we are. I hope not. But no, we really are. Unless, I want, I really want Foreman to be good. I mean, we've got episodes uh, right after we drafted him. You can go listen to how excited I was that we drafted him. I'm a big, big fan of Foreman. I'm not a doctor. I don't know if he can bounce back from an Achilles or not. But, yeah, that's – yeah. If Lamar Miller gets hurt, I am absolutely terrified. So that's why we're starting with the running backs, so you all can understand how terrified we really are. Okay. So with that being said, which running back do you want to talk about? Uh, do you want to start at the bottom of the roster and work our way up? Either way, you up? pick. All right. Um, well, I guess we can start with our two undrafted rookies, uh, Demara Crockett out of Missouri, out of Mizzou, okay. and Karen Higdon out of Michigan. Do you like either one of them? Do I like know anything about either um, one? I think, <laughs> I think that... They're two different running backs, um, and with where this team is, where we need so much help at the position, that I think Crockett would be better for us and what we're trying to do with the run. But at the same time, I honestly think that there's a spot for both on the roster. If they both perform in... OTAs and minicamp. Um, I think that the Tex- the Texans know that they need another running back, and I think there's a chance that they think that they need to. With Deontay, we just don't know. We truly, us, me, you, don't know what Foreman is doing. We're hearing all the reports that he looks like he's in the best shape of his life. 
but we also know what an Achilles can do and the effect that it can have on on a running back. And I don't know if we want to enter the season hoping that he can be the number two guy. And with Crockett, I think he's an explosive player. Um, He's pretty good at breaking tackles. He's great at at catching the ball. I don't know, dude. I mean, what are your thoughts on Crockett? I think you got your guys backwards. Crockett sorry, is I'm out for football all over again, except for my bad. Yeah, uh, no worries. They're undrafted. They're undrafted rookies. Like shit, dude. <laughs> I had to double check my notes when you were talking. Yeah. I was like, uh, I think yeah. I think you just read Karen Higdon. Um, Crockett is bigger than Higdon. Um, he can possibly pass protect. I mean, he's about ideal size, 5'11", 225, is about where you want your running backs to be. He doesn't have a lot of speed. I think he had nine receptions down at Mizzou. Um, I'll have to double-check that. He's just, he's not that exciting. However, he can pass protect, and apparently, as a straight-line runner, he has a little bit of potential, according to a couple of scouting reports that I've read. I just I I don't see him making the team unless unless heaven forbid Foreman actually gets hurt or Foreman gets hurt again then then Crockett may have a chance right. just because of the type of role that he plays but I'd prefer that would go I'd prefer that Buddy Howell would get those those touches before him he should Howell has better better athleticism better size I mean he's about five pounds lighter but. And more of a history of actually catching the ball. Yeah. So, just not too not not too excited about Hig, uh, about Crockett. Um, I don't know. We kind of we kind of need that move the pile straight line running back because, like he's like with Deontay, we just don't know what we're getting. But if we had that with Crockett and he was reliable, um, I think it would be beneficial. But Everything is going to come down to Deontay Foreman. Um, I I don't know. I mean, when you watch Crockett and, and Pass Pro, he's actually pretty good. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think you're right. Like, with his style of play, it's going to come down to him or Foreman, in my opinion. And Foreman's not going to get cut. And if he's healthy, he's on the team. So, therefore, that would mean that Crockett's likely not to make the team. Yeah, I mean, Crockett, he's a poor man's like Isaiah Crowell. Just, he's a bigger guy, push the pile. If he, when looking for undrafted rookies that will typically succeed in the NFL, look at if they can catch passes. Do they have the requisite size? So essentially weight, height and weight, and can they catch patches? Uh, did I just say catch patches? <laughs> catch passes. Um, with Crockett, he he just nothing about him stands out. He doesn't have a single trait that is just jumps off the page at you. Um, and even Mizzou fans, when you kind of talk to them about, they're like, he's fine. Higdon, on the other hand, he's interesting. I like Higdon a lot. Uh, as you can tell by my previous rant, uh, one one cut and go type runner, a- able to break uh, break tackles, uh, has the speed that you would like in the second layer, um, and is somewhat powerful for his size. He's a smaller guy, 5'10", 202, but uh, you, you can't see that on the film. Like, you can't see that he's tiny, at least the way he plays. He's aggressive. He'll lower his helmet um, or his shoulders. And I don't know. He just looks like like when I'm watching him against Maryland, those cutbacks are just so smooth. Yeah, he's Karen Higdon has been comped closer to a um, um, Coleman, Tevin Coleman. Um, also, Rawls Royce, or I'm yep. sorry, not the Rawls Royce, uh, Thomas Rawls. Sorry, too much fantasy footballers. Uh, not a lot of. Agility at his at his pro day, but he ran a sub four five. 
He's a little bit undersized. He's just short of 210. And he's about 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, five, um, actually, why am I guessing? I have his numbers pulled up. Yeah, he's 5'10", 202. So he profiles as a, a solid third down back. He does have experience catching the ball. And, what, and one of the other things that you can also see is how does the fan base react to them? So he played at Michigan, and Michigan fans love him. There's a lot of... It's not confirmed, like he never said he was actually hurt, but there's a lot of rumors out there that he was hurt during his pro day, and that's why his, especially his agility was off, whereas if he was healthy, the belief was he would have tested better. And if he tested better, then he would really have potential as being somebody that could be a third down back. I think with Higdon, what fans need to be excited about is just the fact that he's a guy that can make people miss and we we haven't had that since Arian left. When when I'm watching him run to the outside, he's able to take these stretch plays 20, 30 yards on a regular basis. Now, that offensive line looks pretty good at Michigan, but at the end of the day, when you're watching even the play breakdown, he's still able to make plays happen, and we need a running back that can do that. Now, he can get caught from behind, but at the end of the day, if you're getting 20, 30-yard plays, you're probably not going to complain. But I'm not seeing a – I haven't seen too many uh, too many catches at Michigan. Let's see. How many receptions did he have? But, man, he's an explosive runner. I'm surprised this guy was undrafted. They pretty much – let's see – the scouting report says minimal opportunities. However, he did demonstrate clean hands when demonstrated uh, next to no routes ran, predominantly just a check down option. Yeah, when you watch him run, though, he's explosive. And that cut, it, it's a really nice cut. And the style of runs that he ran at Michigan are going to be very similar to the type of runs that he would run for us. I, I think Higdon's exciting. I think that he's probably the more exciting out of all of them. Yeah. If any if any of them turn into something, I think it'll be him. Or actually, surprisingly, uh, Buddy Howell. However, Buddy Howell's on, on the roster, so we're going to save him. The next person up will be our most recent addition is Taiwan Jones. Yeah, go ahead and take me through him because I'm going to be extremely honest. I have no idea. I just know that he's been in the league. He's he was. a journeyman. He's older. I mean, he was born in 88. And he was a special teams player of the 30. year a couple years back. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know where this came from, but sure. <laughs> Go ahead. Take us through Taiwan Jones. Take us through his yeah. uh, scouting report for from John Wade, the Garnet Texans. Oh... He's he's a player that's kind of bounced around. He's one of Bill Gaines or Brian Gaines guys. Um, he was on the Bills. He was a special teams player predominantly on the Bills, and of course he he actually was a team captain. Wow! So give him give him credit for that. Prior to that, he was with the Raiders. The Raiders had tried to move him to quarterback. You can't give him kudos for being a team captain on the Bills. No, I'm just saying that that's kind of impressive. I would have been for a, a special teams player, and it's not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not giving him credit, but <laughs> what that kind of segues into is he's not going to make the roster. He's there. He's there to um, to coach the other guys up. If he makes the roster, something went seriously wrong during the off season. Somebody got re- hurt during the preseason. Something bad happened. If he's making the roster, he's there to be a player coach. He's somebody that obviously Brian Gaines trusts. He brought him, brought him with him from Buffalo. So he's he's not a guy that's playing for a roster spot. They're using him to to be an additional coach. Granted, he does have that roster flexibility. He played cornerback for a couple of years. Well, there you go. You know we love versatility with our players. So I wouldn't put it past us. He was fast, he's, dude. He ran a four three. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he's taking off for blue spot. Maybe he's a special teams guru. 
I mean, we've well, seen, no, he was we, saw last, we saw it last offseason. He, uh, we we put a big emphasis on special teams and improving that. And losing Alfred Blue, the one area that people will say that hurt us the most is special teams. Uh, Alfred Blue's been our special teams guy. In 2015, he led the AFC in return return yards. So, so maybe exact- DeAndre Carter is in a battle. Maybe, but I think it might actually be more in him and Karen Higdon. The exact same measurables. Higdon's ran a four three seven. He ran a four three three, but ideal same height, same weight. Something tells me that he's there to coach up Higdon to see if he can be anything. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, who's next? Next one up would be Josh Ferguson. Do it. Okay, great. So this is the first time I've ever watched him. His nickname is the Illinois Playmaker. I can see why Brian Gain likes Josh Ferguson. Really? I can see why he was on our practice squad last year and we kept him around. He played in a small school, so there's going to be that knock against him. But, dude, this guy can run. I mean, um, he, he, now obviously you're watching highlights. I'm watching highlights because they don't have a ton of Illinois uh, full games. But uh, he, he can catch the ball. He's great in pass protection. He has a one cut and go. He's, uh, he's very interesting, actually. Watching him, and I, I, I loved what I saw from Karen Higdon, watching Josh Ferguson – I think he's a better player. I, I, look, I'm, I'm only I'm five minutes into his tape. Some of the things that this dude is doing is is interesting. Here, I'll send you the link. Um, I, I'm honestly shocked. Go, go watch this this guy's tape. It's uh, I, I, everybody just Google Josh Ferguson. Running back, and the first one up is Josh Ferguson highlights Illinois playmaker. This dude is very, very intriguing. Fast as can be. I don't know what he what he ran. Um, man, wow, yeah, this uh, Josh Ferguson might be the guy, John. He might be that third running back. Looks like he's had a bunch of hamstring injuries. Oh, um, fantastic! Yeah, that works out well. Then we're gonna sign him. We're gonna sign him. <laughs> he's gonna be right. That's all um, we needed to hear. You just heard it here first. Your third running back on the depth chart is going to be Josh Ferguson. Yeah. And he's going to come in and have a great game, and then he's going to do something to his hammy, and we'll never see him again. And he can catch the ball, John. Let's see. He was drafted in 2016. Um, He's got a total of 25 career rushing yards. On how many carries? However, he's a he's a better kickoff. Well, actually, eighty six and eighty. Um, Fifteen carries, so. So three yards a carry. Um, one yard a carry. <laughs> one point. He said twenty five yards and he had fifteen carries. He's had fifteen rushes, twenty yards, and then one year he had one yard one rush for five yards. Okay. So he's total for his uh, career. He's at a 1.6 average yards per rush. He was a guy I, – I remember him. He, coming out, he was what um, Naheem Hines for the Colts actually turned into. He was that guy that they were hoping could kind of be like a flexible running back receiver type deal. He just – he never did anything. He had a chance. He was on the uh, he was on the Colts the year where everybody got hurt. Um, that when they were relying on Christine or who was it? Not Christine Michael. Um, but it was two years ago, and I remember everybody in the fantasy football community pointing out Ferguson as somebody to keep an eye on, and just nothing ever ha- nothing ever happened with them. What well, did that not happen because of Hines and Mack? Oh, this was before. This last year he got cut because last year he got cut because he was injured all of camp, uh, hamstring after hamstring. 
And he, when Frank Gore was kind of limping through 2017, uh, Ferguson was their passing down bat. Was their passing down back? He just never did anything. He had one, his biggest game was he caught seven of ten targets for 33 yards. But the issue with him is negative two yards rushing that same game, and that was his chance. That was when he was a starter. So he made. You never know. Sometimes these guys go on the practice yard and turn into something, especially when they're an athlete. But sometimes when you look at smaller guys, if they can't run the ball, they just they don't really develop into runners when they're when they're smaller like that. They have to have that almost it's almost like a sixth sense to survive going between the tackles. Hmm. Well, the college tape is very misleading then if what he did with the Colts is what we can expect because either he was extremely healthy in college and that's why he was so productive and got to the NFL and just couldn't get it right. Or he just fits a college offense and doesn't fit in the NFL, which happens with a ton of running backs. But Well, yeah, it's that extra 15 pounds that the defender has. That's why usually you want your running backs to be closer to 215, 220. I and still have that same speed because the guys that they're running against, they can't make a move. It's the same as somebody trying to, somebody trying, I mean, think of like your kids. I mean, granted there's a big age difference between them, but if one of your kids is running at you full speed and he's the smaller one, he's easier to stop even if he would be faster and more nimble. You just put your arm out and grab him. Yeah. I don't know. This tape. I, th- I, I suggest everybody go and watch this. this you're, oh, no. You're going to fall in love with them. I think I already did. <laughs> I'm serious, dude. Have you watched this yet? I, I've watched his tape in the past. He's... Hmm. I, I think Hal's tape is more impressive than, than Ferguson's, and he's the next one up. All right. Well, let's get to your boy, Buddy Hal. Um, Buddy Hal, if you all remember, we actually, because he was one of our um, guys that we signed right at the end of the preseason, we actually, one of the players that got kept that we picked up, from he um, was kept by the Dolphins, he played at Florida, Florida Atlantic, he split carries while at Florida Atlantic, however, the little bit that you saw him against NFL type players, Buddy Hal reminds me of he looks exactly like Jaquez Rogers out there. Again, he's not going to win you fantasy leagues if that's what you're looking for. He's not going to be this super deep sleeper that's going to turn into an Arian Foster type pro bowler. But for a change of pace, reserve back, I think that he has potential to be to be that. Well, if that's the case, how come he got no carries? Bill O'Brien doesn't like rookies, and then a rookie that wasn't with the team all offseason, that didn't know anything about the playbook, he probably just didn't trust him. He wasn't going to put him out there in, a passing, in passing situations to let, because he doesn't know if he can pass the block or not. He doesn't know if he knows any of the plays. Hmm. And Bill O'Brien has been notoriously hard on rookies. We all know that. Yes. Yeah, I mean, his preseason tape looks good. From last year. Yeah, I mean, Hal looks like he can play. There, he's, And there's actual tape against him against NFL players, and he looks good out there. He was a surprise cut by the Dolphins, but the Dolphins actually had pretty decent running back depth. And they actually, they actually had drafted, a, they drafted a running back. So he was a guy that even Dolphins fans, even though he was a rookie last year, were really disappointed that he got cutted. That he got cut. Cutted. 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 That he got cut, and he was a guy that they were all hoping would get signed to their practice squad. And we snatched him up, and we put him on the roster, and he I, he was one of the lead, or team leaders in special team tackles, and he just went out there and he proved himself, and he has tape that he can run. So I think that he's earned a lot of the coaches' trust by going out there and doing what was asked of him and excelling at it. And I think this year he will get he'll get touches this year. Hmm. Okay. I'll put a bet on that that he will have more touches this year than he had last year. Well, that's almost impossible for it not to be the case. 
Didn't he only have like two carries last year? I think he had no carries last year. I believe that. I thought that too, but I actually think that he actually had carries. I think it was like two. Um, let me see. I could have sworn I saw this somewhere. Let's see here. 2018. Game started. Game zero. Let's see. Actually, you're right. He had, he had zero. Yeah. Now that's just Bill O'Brien being exceptionally hard on rookies. They've got to do something absolutely special. Now, I don't think that he's special. Don't get me wrong. But I think he can play. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. All right, so that's that's uh, Buddy Howell. Now, you want to get into Deontay Foreman? Oh, man. His Achilles, I think when his Achilles snapped, my heart broke with it. Um, Foreman was a guy that I did believe had a chance to be to be special. He is an absolute size-speed freak. Granted, he's now apparently thin, thinned down a little bit and slimmed down a little bit. Uh, the word they used was svet, svelte, svelte. How do you say that? I've never heard of that word before, but I'm also not a scholar. Uh, so it's just there's again, if you look at the list of running backs that have torn their their Achilles, there's not a lot of guys out there that just jump off the screen that it's like, oh, that guy could have been special. I think Foreman right now is near the top of the list on guys who were talented that this injury happened to him. Like just he is crazy talented compared to the other guys. And it's absolutely heartbreaking because I think he could have been really good. If he if he developed the ability to be even a any sort of receiver whatsoever, Foreman would have been our running back for the next couple of years after in some some sort of tandem. Um, I don't think that he would always – would. Uh, I don't think Bill O'Brien even believes in bell cows, or I used to not think that. However, the way we run Miller into the ground, maybe he does. Um, but I think Foreman could have been a piece to our running back puzzle, and it's, it's a shame what happened to him. And I'm rooting that he finds something of his old self. Um, there's just not a lot of history, though, of guys coming back from that injury. And it sounds like you're completely writing off Foreman like you did last year. I was right last year. Um, I don't know. I just think that he bounces back. I think that he's so young that, and even though the Achilles is bad, it's not what it was. It's not what it was 10 years ago. I have more faith that Deontay Foreman will get it as close to, as close to, um, form as he was his rookie season this year. I really do. I Just what I'm seeing, his cuts, even though there's not pads, even though there's not uh, contact, I just have a feeling that we have to have some luck. And we can't always have bad luck. So I'm hoping that the good luck rides with Deontay Foreman this, this year because if not, honestly – Lamar Miller's going to get all the carries again, and we're not even going to see another running back. Yeah. Um, there's actually a, a legit study out there on it. 75% of players that tear their, or tear their Achilles do return to play in the NFL, of which the mean age was 28.2 with two years of um, experience in the NFL, of which the average days from surgery to return is 339, so less than a year. However, linebackers and running backs had a significant decrease in post-off performance scores, whereas other positions did not. Um, How many of those were 22-year-olds? So usually, I don't know. I'm going to see if it has the actual list of the players. 
without me having to pay for it because this is just the abstract. I just can't think of a ton off the top of my head that were running backs at the age of 21 that tore their Achilles and never came back. Yeah, he's younger, and it's take, but it's taken him longer to come back from it so far. Is it taking him longer, or did they take their time with him? Um, honestly, probably both. Right. Because they weren't happy with him last year. No. And, and Bill O'Brien had that heart-to-heart with him. Yeah. And so... Awkward well, I'm trying to to see if there's a list of running backs that I can find. I, I think the point is that I, I don't think that there's a ton of cases around a 21-year-old running back tearing his Achilles. And I just... So far, it looks like the top player to ever have, have it happen to him at a similar age was um, Michael LaShore. Wasn't that the, also the the Niners running back? Uh, Detroit Lions. Lions. Hmm. Let's see. Other examples were Bernie or Beanie Wells, Vic Ballard. Vic Ballard. Uh, uh, I don't know. I, I I just think that there's a good chance that we we get him back, and I think he'll be fine. But I hope we do. <laughs> the only the only way we'll find out is is when the season starts and we see him get hit and we all gasp and then he pops up and just continues. Hopefully, outside of that, I don't really think that there's much for us to like. I'm looking at an article for Achilles tear tendon tear, a death knell for running backs, but that was written in 2013, so that was six years ago. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't think that there's a lot of it for a, a lot of data for us to go to turn to basically base our opinion off of yet, especially with that age. So hopefully the age plays a part, and Deontay Foreman is back to form. I hope so. I mean, and again, it's just also a measure of talent. I mean, Michael Lashore and Beanie Wells are the only, the other two guys that were considered considered pretty talented. I guess, are at least maybe close to his level. And I think Beanie was actually only like two years older than him. Yeah, but look what happened to Beanie. He just fell off the map. But that also, well, no, so he toured it when he was 26. It also comes down to work ethic and things like that. But still, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We we spent a lot of time about his his injury. I'm hoping he bounces back. Let's get to Lamar Miller. Um, I actually think Lamar Miller has a career year. I know you hate Lamar Miller, but I do not hate Lamar Miller. <laughs> no, no, you. Why do you? Why do you always say that I hate him, John? You basically said he's a second tier running back. You know, that's pretty much hate for a starting running back when there's 32 teams that 16 only have really good starting running backs. I honestly believe that there's better options out there for cheaper, but not as in a single player. I'm a big fan of running back by committees, even though I'm a big fantasy football player and we all hate hate that in fantasy. I do think the way that year in, year out, how the Patriots manage their running backs, that was one of the reasons why I was excited to get Bill O'Brien. It wasn't the tight end play. It was how they managed their running backs. They were able to find the right pieces to put together And as much as we all love Tom Brady or hate Tom Brady or want to give Tom Brady all the credit in the world for being the greatest thing ever, one of the most consistent things with the Patriots is they are always top near the top of the league in rushing the ball. They don't have a a single player that ever leads the league in rushing the ball, but their by committee works. Short passes and running the ball. That's how you win in today's NFL. And I thought that's what Bill O'Brien was going to bring to the Texans. It's not always the most exciting, but kill the other team, death by a thousand paper cuts. Um, not this ground and pound and then throw it out. I, we're not going to 
we'll we'll devote an episode to what we have seen from Bill O'Brien's offense. We've devoted many episodes on what we expected from him, but this is ultimately for me kind of like the root. And with Lamar Miller, I have never hated him. I just thought that there was better options. We could put together three running backs that would do better than just relying on Lamar Miller. Now, Lamar Miller, or singularly, he's an above-average running back. He is. Um, We pay him more than what he's worth, but right now we have all the cap space in the world, so who really gives a shit? Like, that's how I've more or less come around over the past couple of months. We have the money. Why not pay him? That was your argument. You were right. He can kind of gloat or at least smile, but no. Okay, I'll keep going. Um, <laughs> I got a six-year-old here that's trying to get and, to fix his TV. Ah, uh, oh yeah. So, I'm sure, he sounds like a parrot right now. Dad, please, Dad, please. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but back to Lamar Miller. Lamar Miller is talented at what he does. We just ask him to do more than what he should be doing. He should not be the bell cow, carry the ball between 20 and 30 times a game. He just shouldn't be. He should be your home run hitter. He should be there to stretch, to run the uh, outside the tackles. He should be there to, to run stretch plays. He should be there to be a zone runner. And he should be used in conjunction with another running back. Again, Bill O'Brien has not done it. Again, I said this a couple of shows back, that if I have, we ever interviewed Bill O'Brien again, I would ask him, what happened to his running back management? Why do we have an offensive line where half of the offensive line is really good at zone blocking and the other half is the bottom of the league at zone blocking? And then we have a running back who is an excellent runner out of a zone blocking scheme who is horrible running in a, um, in a power scheme. I just I don't understand. An angle blocking or a power scheme, and Lamar Miller is not as, quite as good. But zone blocking, he's pretty good. Yeah, no. So, I mean, I like Lamar. I just I don't get it. And it's not I, I I like Lamar Miller as a player. I don't necessarily like him on the Texans. Okay, that's now that's a different story. I don't like the way he's utilized. I don't like that we don't fit the run game to his. Um, to his running style. I don't like that we're trying to run him up the middle every play. I don't like that a counter is our go-to play. Now, occasionally, yes, and we've seen it, you know, with a 95-yard run and things like that, but if he's built to run outside, and if Foreman – if I, I think they want to get to where you're wanting them to go. I just think that they are so about their offensive players knowing the offense that – they don't give the trust to the players immediately. And I think a lot of the reason why we see Lamar Miller last year and Alfred Blue only is because those two knew the offense. Um, I think if we can get the complement piece in place, I think Lamar Miller will be fine. Now, it'll probably be his last year just because of his salary uh, and his contract. But at the end of the day, we also said that last year. And looking at it now, he's, he's going to make the team. He could be a surprise cut. Maybe, but I don't see why they would. Um, yeah, he he's not getting cut. Right. He might get extended before he gets cut at this point. <laughs> Possibly. And, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and predict it now. I predicted it after the draft. And you're going to see me flip a table, but I have this worst feeling that they're going to draft a running back in the first round next year. Yeah. And... I'm going to put it out there now. If um, We're going to have to record me next year during the draft because I will flip a table if we draft a, fir- a running back in the first round. But I have this horrible feeling that's what we're going to happen. If Lamar Miller does not get re-signed, that's what's going to happen. I just I, – I don't I don't see it. I don't see them – unless we're picking at the end of the first, I just – I can't see them putting that value on a running back. But – Maybe. I don't know. I technically think that this year we're going to be better off at the running back position than we think. And for all we know, maybe we finally hit on somebody outside of Lamar Miller and Deontay Foreman. 
I don't I I hope so. I mean, there's no position group that gives me less less optimism than the running backs right now. It's Lamar Miller. I am still like he's going to be a productive player. He's it, part of the rap that Lamar Miller gets is he's not going to win you a fantasy football championship. For a guy that takes that many that high of a percentage of his team's running plays, you're expecting him to be a top-tier like fantasy football asset, and he's not. And that's why I think he gets a lot of the hate that he does from people that don't watch the team. Now, he was a pro bowler, and he's not. He's going to show glimpses to us, and he's probably going to continue to frustrate me. And it's not him that's frustrating me. It's how the, the Texans continue to use him. But it's him, and then a whole bunch of guys that we have no idea what we got. Yeah, but, I mean... And that's really what it comes down to. Could you make an argument that if the offensive line is better, which it should be, that Lamar Miller should be better? Yeah. I mean, it's arguable that offensive lines always make running backs. I, I just... I don't know. I just feel like there's so much unknown right now about this team, and we'll get into the offensive line soon, but I just... Right now? For I mean, the offensive line, I have a bunch of hope. I can't wait till we do the show on the offensive line. It's young. They've invested a lot in it. There's hope there. The running backs, there's not much invested in it. Lamar Miller, he's still he's 27, 28, so he's still relatively young. However, there's just nothing else invested there. And I'm shocked that we went two drafts in a row without drafting another running back. With our The only investment we had is Achilles, which is the worst thing that can happen to a running back. I'm shocked that we were able to spend 40 minutes talking about the running back position. Oh, a couple of these episodes are probably going to go go long doing these position breakdowns. There's a lot to talk about. When we're coming no, I know. It's just that I didn't expect us to go this long into running backs. It's phenomenal. Um, all right, let's hop into some of the other things that we're hearing. Uh, Body Calhoun is having a great OTAs. Supposedly, he is just all over the place, making plays, and is the guy that is being talked to the most in, about the most in the secondary. Does that surprise you? A little bit. A little bit. I mean, we knew we were getting a solid player with him, but he's getting he's getting a lot of love right now. Him and Jermaine Kelly. Yep. Jermaine Kelly was the, uh, the talk of uh, today. Yep. So... Again, I think we'll probably just save it for when we discuss the secondary. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to split up and do safeties one episode and then corners or just do the secondary in general. It probably depends on how much time we have. But he's an intriguing player because if we did that, say if we did one episode on cornerbacks and one episode on safeties, which episode would we talk about him in? Uh, we'd have to talk about him in both. Yeah. Um, other news outside of out, out of OTAs is – it looks like, John, they're going with my method for the offensive line that I mentioned a couple weeks back. They are just the best player is going to play at a position, and that is going to be it. There are no set starters on the team right now. They are shuffling and letting everybody play wherever they can, and whoever is the best at each position is going to start. Yeah, they've got some, they've got some serious bodies on the offensive line. And that's exciting to hear that they're not trying to pigeonhole him. Now, hopefully, the concern is we saw what happened last year with Davenport when they let him practice at one position all year and then moved him around. He just it messed up his head. Hopefully, by moving him around too much, it doesn't get them in a position where they're not comfortable at any position. So pretty much the reverse of what happened last year. I think if this is... Tied to the whole, there's a heavy emphasis on competition, this this OTAs and training camp, then I think this bodes well for the offensive line. If they go into the if they go into OTAs and training camps and say and training camp and say basically, there is nobody here that is, has a job guaranteed. We are going to put the best five players on the field, and that is who will be our starters. Usually, when that's how you approach something like that, especially when it was a heaping pile of donkey shit. Uh, last year and the year prior, it, it tends to bode well. Now, are there going to be missteps and miscues? Yeah, most likely. But 
eventually that gets ironed out. And given that the young the young players we have, I mean, it's there's a chance that we could start to really build an offensive line that can be around longer than we thought coming into this season. I mean, if Sharping Yeah, there's some. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I mean, there's players. And if those players pan out, we're talking about at least three or four starters on the offensive line that could be here for quite some time. Outside of Nick Martin, everybody else is on a rookie deal. I mean, Nick Martin entering this year is on a rookie deal, but next year he's going to need a new contract. Other than that, with Titus, um, Rankin, Howard, Fulton, Fulton has another two years on the contract as well. So, I don't know. It's, it's interesting, John. I think it's a piece that people are leaving out is that we really could be building something. And like I said, the first four or five games, it may not look like it's going to be amazing, but with the continuity and the chemistry that they can build over time, which is a big part of the offensive line, I don't know. I think it could be better. And then when you add the fact that we have block, we have tight ends that can block now, um, it, it, it's going to be an interesting season watching how this unfolds with the offensive line and the blocking in general. Yeah, this season there's going to be a lot of frustrating moments, but believe it or not, we are almost we are on the precipice of having a very special offense. It's going to be it's hard to believe, seeing as where we've been, but. We should – you see the building blocks. You've seen it at points last year. We're almost there, and you can kind of – you can see the pieces starting to come together. I think that we're at least half a season to – it's not even necessarily this season, but maybe even next season where the offense is just going to completely explode. The problem right now is we've got tight ends and linemen that usually take two to three years to develop before they can be productive coming in. If they if the curve was kind of flipped where we had developed linemen and developed tight ends and then had Watson develop, it might have been more exciting to watch, but I mean we can't complain with what we've had. And Watson's gonna be better this year. The third year is usually where quarterbacks take a leap. It's kind of funny. It's the third year with every position, it seems like. Except for running backs. If they're good, they're good from pretty much day one. Yeah, but for every other position out there, year three is usually the leap that that they'll make. And this year, Watson's going to be this is going to be his offense. Like it's all his. He's taking reps with them right now. He's getting all the practice time in. He ha- wasn't able to do that last year because of coming back from injury. And he wasn't able so to he's going to be with the year before either because Tom Savage was the starter. So this is his full correct. first off season. And I think that that's going to kind of offset the development behind our offensive line and our tight ends. However, when things start to click for those two position groups, with the athletes and the what they've put into them, we, we're going to see something special. I don't know if it's at the exact time frame for when that window opens. I don't know if it's this year or next year, but it's getting close. And, our, and we'll talk about our receivers. We are, if you look just at the top three receivers – we are up there with any team of league. So a couple of years back, we asked what would we rather have when um, the Texans led the league in defense, our defense or the Saints' offense, when the Saints were blowing everybody out and they had the number one offense. And we were all miserable because we were sitting there watching these defensive games that were just grinding out and weren't fun to watch. Well, we're pretty close to where we're going to have the offense to watch. Now, if these quarterbacks fall flat on their face, it may be the Saints where we're just having to be in a shootout every week, and we'll see. Yeah, yeah. That kind of brings me to the uh, another point that of what we're hearing out of OTAs is that Sean Watson is getting better at reading defenses and getting people lined up in the proper positions. Uh, Carl Smith is a um, a big part of what Deshaun is going to be going through this offseason, and Carl Smith talked about it. Um, earlier today about how much Deshaun is just as responsible for some of the hits and sacks that he was taking last year um, and that that's something he's working with him on. So there's just there's a whole lot into this puzzle right now. 
and the puzzle's starting to form. But like John's been saying for the last six months, it may not be this year that we see it all click, but this will be the year where we start to see it on a more consistent basis than what we've seen. All the flashes and the stuff we saw in the Seattle game um, and things like that, we're going to see more often this year than we did last year. And then hopefully that takes us into the following season where we really start to see exactly this, what this offense is going to do on a consistent basis. Um, all right, it's the annual let's all freak out over a wide receiver during OTAs. Uh, we do it every year. We had Lestar Gene. Keith Mumphrey was talked about. Who else? There's a couple others. Uh, Jalen Strong this year. It's Ty Ron Johnson. He's going up in Boston, everybody. He's the guy to watch out for. He's going to be the guy that pushes DeAndre Hopkins' number one spot. Yeah. No. no. He might make the team. He might not make the team. He's got to also be Vincent Smith, who's been on the team. Um, DeAndre Carter's going to have a role on the offense outside of uh, special teams. It's there's a lot to it, and I just don't see Tyron Johnson coming in and, and making a impact. It's just not how it works. We've heard this so many times over and over and over again during the offseason. Look, this wide receiving room is stacked, and we'll get to it when we do the position breakdowns for wide receivers. But this, I mean, when healthy, I honestly would put our wide receiving group up against any team in the league. And I don't think you can argue it. When it comes to the versatility and the talent levels of, of Will Fuller, DeAndre, and Kiki, those three are so dynamic and they all three do something different. And they bring so much diff- – they, it's just they bring so much different – so many different things to the offense that I just – I don't see this guy coming in and pushing for snaps. No, especially when – they used the roster spot on Vincent Smith for the entire year last year, and now he's coming out at camp and, and doing as well as he has. It's his spot to lose, and he's not doing anything to lose it. Uh, the guy who was we got excited about, like Riley McCarron, um, there's all these guys every year. You get excited about them. But all it takes is watch the first preseason game, and you'll know. Whenever there is an undrafted rookie that really stands out, you'll know from the first preseason game. And OTAs, we've got nothing to talk about. you got to remember these guys got nothing to write about. And Houston sports media, for the most part, isn't always the best anyways, and they've got nothing to write about, so everybody they're going to make a big deal out of. Every now and then, though, an undrafted rookie comes out and really just jumps off the field. And so far... From what we've heard at this camp, there's not really been one of those guys. Even though they try and hype them up, but there hasn't been that guy that just absolutely dominates everything. Yeah. It's just, it's just what happens around this time. There's always somebody. Granted, it may be because Kehali Waring is apparently just an absolute beast. There's not enough room for anybody else. I hope, I hope <laughs> that works out to be the case because that would, that would be awesome. All right, John, what else do we got? Y'all can tweet at me happy birthday. Is today your birthday? Nope, uh, Thursday. Oh, okay, that's good to know. So by the time this comes out and people listen to it? Yeah, tomorrow they'll be able to listen. It'll be Wednesday. And then Thursday they can all tweet you happy birthday. I'm glad you mentioned that because I would have had no idea. Uh, and then happy- Yeah, oh yeah, you don't have Facebook anymore. Uh-uh. And then happy Father's Day to everybody as well. Uh, we probably won't. I don't know if we'll record next week. We'll see how things unfold. But if we don't, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Happy Father's Day to you, John. It's a big day. We get to uh, we get to do we, the same. Thing. We go to an Astros game every year. Oh, do you guys? Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. That'll be cool. Um, what else? I think that's it. I don't really think there's anything else. My birthday's coming up, but that's on the 24th. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, with that being said, um, you guys know where to find us. You guys can find us on all podcast platforms. We are your number one independent Houston Texans podcast, Texans Unfiltered. Search us on every podcast platform out there. 
Spotify, Pocket Cast, uh, Podcast, Podcast this, Podcast that. You just go to, just type in podcasts and Texans Unfiltered and we're there. Uh, you guys can find us on iTunes and stuff. Uh, follow us on uh, Instagram and Twitter at HoustonFBPod. Uh, you can join our Discord, uh, which is a lot of fun and actually sometimes active during the offseason. Just kind of depends on what's happening. Uh, Patreon page, patreon.com backslash Texans Unfiltered. Uh, you guys will be able to find our Twitch, which I did start. It is Texans Unfiltered, so if you guys want to go subscribe now, we'll be able to do that. I'm not sure what we're going to fully do on the Twitch yet, but I know it's going to be something cool. Uh, and with that being said, I am Yamari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We will catch you guys. When they had our backs up against the wall and said that we couldn't stand the pressure, we still got it done, man. When they said the clock was winding down and it wasn't enough time to get it done, we still got it done, man. Now it's our time to sign, it's our time to keep it 100. So we gonna go out here and show them how thrilled we are, baby. So you better get out the way, cause we coming for it. It's all for one, and it's one for all. Let's go. All for one, and one for all.